while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Barrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. We've got a great show ahead for you um, today. Chris will be joining me in the 8 o'clock hour, Chris McCarthy, for an interview with the Lieutenant Governor of Massachusetts, Kim Driscoll. You may remember... Uh, Kim Driscoll as a candidate and Mayor Salem, who came on this program uh, numerous times during the election season uh, to talk about her candidacy, in, both in the primary and in the general election. Uh, obviously, her efforts were successful. She's now the lieutenant governor under Governor Maura Healey. And I, um, she's coming on to talk about um, specifically, I mean, there's a lot to talk about, right? But specifically what she's coming on to talk about is the Healy-Driscoll administration's efforts to combat the ongoing and seemingly intractable housing crisis that is happening here in the South Coast and across the entire Commonwealth. Um, so they're going to talk about some of the things that they're doing to try to, you know, spur development, um, to replenish depleted housing stock. And um, I create a cabinet-level position for housing. And I'm looking forward to talking with her. Chris will be joining me for that interview. That's, again, going to be in the 8 o'clock hour. Looking forward to that. Until then, uh, I'll be joined by you. And, yeah, I'll be joined by you at 508-996-0500. Yeah, preview it tomorrow. Chris will be back in studio with me tomorrow. And we'll be joined by Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro at 7. Going to give an update on uh, on the Ash Street, on where he's at with the Ash Street Jail. The uh, closure of the Ash Street Jail. So, but... I do, and I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask the lieutenant governor about this a little bit later. But the I, I was I, I saw her today. Actually, um, I saw her and the governor today. They were at the Marine Commerce Terminal in the Port of New Bedford, right? Which is a you know terminal specifically designed uh, basically to be a launch pad for the offshore wind industry. So. You can check out an article I wrote on WBSM.com covering that. They announced some major investments in climate um, uh, climate resiliency and climate action. And 
specific investments into the executive office of um, energy and environmental affairs and into the um, uh, into the Massachusetts Clean Energy Center. So check that out, check that article out on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. I prefer the app if you can download it. It's, I think, the easiest way to get the content that we make here. So 508-996-0500 is how you can join us this evening. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app. You can only use the W, you can only message us using the app chat if you have the app. So another incentive to get the app, you can message on the app chat and uh, I can read it on the air. Probably. Depends. <laughs> some things, some things you guys read I can't read on the air. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, they were there, uh, Mayor Mitchell was there, we had, uh, Rep Hendricks, uh, Rep Chris Hendricks, Rep Tony Cabral, Rep Paul Schmid, uh, Rep Chris Markey, um, Scott Lima, the... Soon to the outgoing city councilor Scott Lima. We broke that news here on WBSM uh, uh, South Coast tonight. We broke that news that Scott Lima would not be seeking re-election, um, but he's uh, he was there today. Uh, councilor at Large Naomi Carney was there today. So um, a lot of elected uh, other local elected officials there. Of course, leaders in the offshore wind and industry in that. So check that out on WBSM.com on the WBSM app um, and. Uh, yeah, and uh, and read it. It's a good piece. And I'm not just saying that because I wrote it myself, although actually I am just saying that because I wrote it myself. But one of the things I wanted to talk about today, we've been talking a lot about what's going on in the city council, all these ballot questions, people just asking everybody, you know, them just want to ask everybody about things. And, you know, I think rent control is an important conversation to have. Don't get me wrong. Um but the other two uh, ballot questions are not uh, important conversations to have. So um, we can talk about that at a later time. I, I imagine Mayor Mitchell's going to veto those and it's going to be brought up again. It's going to be brought up again uh, in the next city council meeting. So once he vetoes that, we can talk more about it, you know, and have a like more of a conversation. But you know, to encapsulate everything that we've taught, I've taught, I've said about that, and then I may just move on until we get some news from Mitchell's office. But to encapsulate it, I think that with the rent stabilization, rent control, whichever you want to call it, with the rent, let's just say rent restriction, with the rent ballot question, I think it's a worthwhile conversation worth having. I think it's made. I think it's denigrated because you see Boston, they just passed a rent control or stabilization uh, ordinance or home rule petition. But I think it's denigrated. The conversation here has become diluted and denigrated by the fact that the city council just wanted to uh, wanted to ask people whether or not they want to keep the four year term they just voted for and keep funding for the Community Preservation Act that they just voted for. And I've talked about it at ad nauseum that the community, they, they basically put forward a, a ballot question 
asking people if they want to repeal the Community Preservation Act funding, which is, again, like tens of millions of dollars in, in, in funding for housing projects, among other, uh, among other things, a lot of public works projects, things that are things that are not only good but necessary, um, basically based on the whims of the city council president. Uh, she said she got all these phone calls from people that they, they want to repeal it. They're upset about the 40 bucks that's in their tax bill uh, that, that, it, that it cost them, despite the fact they're matching funds from the state. Uh, no other city council got those calls, but she got those calls. I guess, <clears throat> and the other city council, just the city council, despite not getting those calls, despite not wanting to kill the CPA, decided to put the ballot forward question anyway, ballot question forward anyway, and then they also put forward a question on whether or not they want to get rid of the four-year term for Mayor Mitchell, which I, I imagine wasn't like an exercise in catharsis because they're upset with him. I, I don't know. It, again, something they literally just voted on a few years ago. Um, this like in Fairhaven, you know, there was a conversation about whether or not to keep the BPW, um, the board of public works in elected position. It was voted overwhelmingly like 75% of the people in town voted to keep it. And then a few years later, that conversation tried to rear its ugly head again. Everybody said, no, we've already talked about this. We don't want to talk about this anymore. Right? So... I think the rent control question is, again, diluted by the fact that they put those other two silly ballot questions next to it. Those other two, there's a real policy proposal versus two questions that, are, that aren't real, that are based on, like, whimsy. And so it, now it just looks like they're just asking people a bunch of stuff, right? Instead of having a serious conversation about a, a, a serious housing a proposal to sort of try to regulate the rising rents or to make the housing um, situation more tenable, which, again, can't be the only thing you talk about. Rent control can't be the only thing you talk about, right? But instead of having that serious conversation about a real policy, they muddied it by having these other silly conversations put right next to it. So now it just looks like, hey, we're going to ask people for a bunch of stuff, right? We're going to just ask people stuff. That's what, That's our big thing this year. That's our big move this election, this election season is, hey, what, what do you think? What do you think about things, right? Instead of, I don't know, building consensus, <laughs> building consensus around a policy, right? I mean, if, you, if you're an elected office, you need to have an opinion and formulate that opinion, and then you need to build consensus around it by using the power of your office, using the bully pulpit. And again, I think... If you were to just put that rent control question forward by itself, I think that'd be a little bit more tenable than putting those other two silly questions next to it. Whether or not people want to repeal the CPA, which no one, no one, no one has ever, no one has said they they do, and whether or not people want to keep the mayor term a four year and bring it back to two, which again, that's the. That's already been decided, right? The jury's not out on that. The jury's in. So that's my encapsulation of that issue. Chris and I talked about it last night. Chris and I talked about it last night. I don't know if I have anything. Okay, actually, we've got an app chat question from William uh, in New Bedford. 
Is the state actually matching the funds collected for the CPA? I've heard the match is far less than they say. Okay. So here's the thing with the CPA. The state doesn't fully match the funds. I was told by someone, very good source, that New Bedford got 35% matching funds from the tax dollars, which... By the way, you put your money in a bank and they told you every year you're going to get a 35% ROI, you'd probably stick with that bank. But 35% matching funds, that more or less lines up with when I was an active member of the Fairhaven CPC committee, it was always around that, you know, quarter or more percentage match of the funds that you put forward, okay? So you get money so you get money from the state but where the real dollar for dollar match comes isn't just from the state money and this is where again I've said the city council president misled people the dollar for dollar match isn't just from the state funds by the way even if it were just the state funds I think a 35% match is pretty damn good But the real dollar-for-dollar match is the leveraged funding, right? So you have organizations that are able to do these projects and do them better because they get CPC money. And you're able to have these projects get more money from organizations because they're CPC money. So, for example, let's say we have a project. Let's say there's like some sort of restoration, restoration project of a historical landmark, right? And we go to the... And we go to the mass, we go to the mass cultural council. Or, or let's say, like I said, there's some sort of, uh, CPC, like there's a CPC application for the restoration, restoration of like a historical landmark, something like that, or a piece of art. And they get X amount of dollars from the CPC, say $10,000 from the CPC, maybe more, say 50. from the CPC for the restoration of a historical landmark or a piece of art. Then they go to the Mass Cultural Council, right? The Mass Cultural Council looks and, you know, they apply for a grant there, right? The Mass Cultural Council can look at what um, the CPC can look at. One of the requirements may be that there's community investment, right? That there's investment from the community, And they'll look at that. And the only way to really gauge that, one of the only real ways to gauge that is Community Preservation Act funding. So they say, okay, well, there's $50,000 here. We will match that. So when leverage funds, and you can find it on the City of New Bedford's website, leverage funds, which means the dollars that the CPC has brought in, the money that that Community Preservation Act has brought in is... $7.2 million. $7.2 million in the last six or seven years has been brought in in leverage funds from the Community Preservation Act. So, no, the state doesn't fully match it, right? But what the council president knows and hasn't been telling you and what we all know and are trying to tell you and what the mayor knows and is trying to tell you and what Councillor, uh, Councillor Abram knows and has tried to tell you, right, is that 
the money, the dollar for dollar match comes from the leverage funds and that without the CPA, a lot of the things that you may enjoy out in your community may not be as well kept or as available as they previously were. The CPA is funding a uh, in just in New Bedford. You know, I talked about how I, when I, you know, when I was in the CPC in Fairhaven, when I was an active member, um, we've, you know, funded stuff in like the Whitfield Manjoro House, which is a historic, which is a historic house in, in Fairhaven. But we also did stuff like, you know, um, uh, fix the Livesey Skate Park, right? Make improvements in the uh, fix the windows at Fairhaven High School was another project that we did. Fix historical landmarks and buildings, right? So facade uh, facade projects, right? I was at the. You can find an article I wrote on wbsm.com about the Boys and Girls Club at New Bedford. 130-year-old organization, the third oldest of its kind. 500 area kids from the South Coast. 500 area kids from the South Coast go to the Boys and Girls Club per day. 500 per day go to the South Coast. Uh, uh, 500 area kids per day go to the Boys and Girls Club as a home away from home, right, to learn, to enrich themselves, catch up on homework they get cpc money they get cpc money they get they just got fifty thousand dollars fifty thousand or i think it was actually the exact is forty seven thousand dollars check on that Yeah, for a playground. The Boys and Girls Club in New Bedford. Most of you have been there. I've been there. I used to play in a league there. When I was in middle school, I played basketball there at the Boys and Girls Club. Most of you have probably been there or spent a lot, spent a good amount of time there. Or at least been there once or twice. Have enjoyed those facilities. Have had good memories in those facilities. The Boys and Girls Club relies on CPA money. To not only maintain the building that they have to provide an enriching environment for 500 school-age children per day, but to expand their vision for helping more people in the community, like $50,000 for building a playground. So I've spent every day talking about this. It's because it's so incredibly important that I'd be remiss if I didn't dedicate at least a little bit of time on my program and Chris, me and when Chris is here, our program, right? If we didn't spend at least a little bit of time on, on our program talking about this and stressing how important it is so that you might, so that you know if your city councilor votes to send this ballot question forward based on nothing, based on no concrete evidence 
that they need to bring this forward. That you know about it. 508-996-0500. See your calls. I'm going to get to them in a second. But I do want to say one thing before I get to your before I get to your calls. It's that when Mayor Mitchell vetoes the CPA ballot question, there are four votes right now. Four votes against putting that ballot question forward. Councilor uh, Lima, Councilor Giesta, Councilor Markey, Councilor Abreu. We all expect them to hold on that. Hold on those four votes. If they do, they don't have a veto-proof majority to override Mayor Mitchell's veto on that. They probably will override the veto on the four-year ballot question and the rent uh, rent stabilization question. But right now, they have... There's four counselors that have the good sense. And I think there'll be more. I think there'll be more that realize if they get a second bite at the apple, they'll say, wait a second. I don't want to lose this for my community, for my ward, for the things that I want to do. And I think they'll change their vote. I think they have to. If they don't, you got to pay attention to that. 508-996-0500. Good evening. Yeah, good evening. How are you doing, Marcus? Good. How's it going? Uh, in India. You know, there's another thing that you can add to your concerns. Uh, many people want to know, with all the excise taxes on the vehicles, uh, how much... Uh, this gets asked... Uh, they ask, My neighbors asked me that the other day. Uh, you know, how much we generated in revenue uh, on the ex, that, uh, vehicle excise tax... And why isn't that money being used for our roads that are a mess, crumbling, a lot of potholes? Don't tell me that goes into a general fund and then they spend it on things they're not supposed to be doing with it. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, um, I, I mean, I'm, first of all, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure excise tax goes into the general fund, but, um, but uh, oh. I think they rely on. I think honestly, cities and towns, what they rely on for, like funding for roads and bridges and stuff like that is uh, yeah. cha- chapter 90 from the state. I, I think, you know, and I think there's been more money that's been dedicated towards that, especially with new- Healy's new budget and the new millionaires tax allocation. So that, you know, I think that... Yeah, but but excise tax, uh, Marcus, and gas taxes are allocated for road repair, sidewalks, street lights, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know... Imagine if you ran that in your own home budget. You took all your money. You know, you had to pay your electric, your gas, your cable. And you say, well, I'm just going to put in a big pile. And then I'm going to use some of it to grocery. Maybe I'll go on vacation. And then the bills come due and you're like, well, I don't have money to replace my front door. Well, you know. The- my windows, I got a leaky window. I can't replace that. Yeah. So the, 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 the front door leaky window stuff, I think that's an, uh, like if we're going to expand that metaphor outwards towards like a municipal budget, then I think that's yeah. where CPA funding is important. But in terms of um, in terms of, of where that excise tax money goes, again, I think they I think a lot of cities and towns do rely on Chapter 90 funding. I, you know, as someone who sat on an elected board that oversees roads, you know, that oversees the, the maintenance of roads and bridges in town, Chapter 90 funding is important for a lot of things that that we did. Right, I, but, I understand but here's, that, Marcus. But, but here's the thing. 
you look at the I was at the I was at Mayor Mitchell's budget presentation last spring to the city council every year he presents the budget. He shows the sliver of the budget that is discretionary spending and it's like you know, it's the tiniest thinnest piece of pie you could possibly imagine, right? And so he says this is like, you know, in this in this in this little like sliver right here is like every library in the town, I mean the city, and a few, you know, you mentioned a bunch of other things, but their discretionary spending is not that wide. So every, you know, I think, Marcus, you know, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you know where most of the money, and this has been said by Mayor Mitchell uh, either last year or the year before, forty-six percent of of the city revenue uh, goes towards the public schools. Yeah, it's outrageous. So it's not discretionary spending either. Yeah. Um, and uh, they get, they also get uh, funding from, and I think some of that has, is baked in, but funding from the Student Opportunity Act. I think like twenty five million per year uh, is is what their allocation is for the next seven or so years. Right. But when, but my final point in closing is that we should be using the tax revenue for what it should be generated for, like the excise tax for roads, because the roads in the city. I mean, I don't have to tell you. Yeah, it's just awful. Uh, it's like we're living in a third world country. It's it's incredible how, uh, you know, the city council talks about rent control and all of this stuff while the, the rest of the city is just falling apart. I mean, at night you can barely see the the road. I mean, the lights, a flashlight can put on more light than these street lights. Yeah. It, it's just unconscionable. I think Take the- all your money, put it in a big pile, and oh, well, I'm going to spend it for this and that while the stuff that needs to be taken care of is being neglected. Yeah, I think they, you know, I think they do the best they can with what they have. I don't think it's a matter of of indiscriminate spending. I mean, I, I think they probably allocate that excise tax money, and they can, you know, and they get some Chapter ninety funding, and they do what they can with it. It's an expensive endeavor to well, repair can you infrastructure. Tell me the last, can you, t- outside of Church Street and Kings Highway, can you tell me other streets have been repaved? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, you I, can I ask see it. these roads get that's older a, and older, more holes. That's a great cracks. question for for for. Mayor Mitchell on Wednesday. I'm sure he'll be able to answer that. Yeah, I that. hope you bring it up and ask him about how much well, you, revenue and excise tax. You, you can call him to Tim's and ask him. He'll be on. He'll be on with Tim. Well, I don't always get a chance to call and talk to. Uh, to the I understand. Mayor. I understand. I'll try. Oh, you, you know, if I remember, I'll bring you're it up. The best, but what you're the best guy because you know you got your the pulse on the city. You know. Thanks. I appreciate that. Take care, Marcus. You as well. Tricky, my pulse on uh, uh, Fairhaven. Dartmouth, Bedford, but um, well, in terms of like repairing roads and bridges, you know, we we do. When I was when I was on the BPW here in Fairhaven, get a list of streets, and we pick uh, however many we can with the funding that we got. We pick that list, and we go through them every year. Four or five streets get knocked off that list, so we get four or five streets. That are priority. They're identified. Superintendent identifies which ones, you know, and then we decide whether or not we're going to vote for those or others. And so just based on the fund and we get that funding allocated to us by town meeting every year in Fairhaven. So it's allocated by town meeting. One year there was like a type. I swear to God, there was a typo. There was a typo in the in the warrant in the town meeting warrant. 
and uh, <laughs> there was a typo in the town meeting warrant, and it and it and it uh, it cost us our road funding for for a year. We had to like get it back later, our road <laughs> our road funding because someone mistyped something in the town meeting warrant. It was quite a thing. It was quite a thing. But yeah, that's usually how we do it. I don't know, you know, New Bedford might be a little different, but that's usually how we do it here in Fairhaven. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Let's go back to the phones. Good evening. Hey, Marcus. How you doing? Good. What's up? All right. Uh, three points on, on Franco, three ballot questions. This is my take. Um, I mean, just recently you saw the bash in the city council is against the mayor. So, I mean, I don't think... I, I bet I, I think that all three of these are all politically motivated, yeah. and not substantially. You know, they're, they're, it's not really substantive. I don't think anybody on that council wants to get rid of CPA, and I'll explain that one after. But the first one is, is about the two year to the four year. If we recall when they did it, early on when they they did vote on it, Man Mitchell said that you know he'd accept it, but he wouldn't want to run for a four year term. Mm-hmm. So now if that goes forward and he vetoes that. Because he doesn't have another thing lined up, now it now he goes against what he said. They're setting him up. That's number one. Okay. Number two, on the rent uh, the, the 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 rent control, same thing. If he vetoes that, now whoever does run against Mitchell, if anybody runs against, they can just use that as a, as a talking point, saying you know you're not for the you know you're not yeah. for the renters. You don't care. It's all political. Number three, the, C, the CPA. If there was only one good thing that came out of out of COVID, personally, was was the Zoom, because with Zoom, you could just you know not everybody has the time to to be going downtown to these meetings. Yeah. But Zoom, you can be home, you can watch the meeting, and I watched the CPA meetings, and I also watched the the ARPA fund meetings, and people don't realize it because they just look at stuff at the surface, but there was a there was a lot of concern on the city council of all the ARPA money and also CPA money going to the Wheeling Museum. Mm-hmm. Now, you're talking about an organization that has probably 30 to $40 million of endowment money. Sure. Okay? And they're asking 150000 or whatever it was to fix brick. Justifiable. Right. It needs to be done. I get it. But there was other organizations that didn't get funded. Yeah. And the other thing is, too, if you look by the ward, if you look at that, you know, on the form, Ward 4, which is mainly downtown, gets 70% of the money. Yeah. You know, the, the city is 13 miles long. And it just seems like a lot of, and I'm not saying that the, the uh, that the projects are not justified. And there is, obviously, there's projects throughout the city that gets funded by this. But, you know, that's the thing. And I think if they really want to get rid of CPA, they would have, if she would have fought, whoever would have fought to, to, to not be non-binding. This is just a, a political move so that the mayor vetoes this stuff and and and, and makes him look bad. In the yeah, because... You know what I'm saying? I, that's my personal view. I'm not saying... And, and as far as the CPA, I think now, when it comes to next CPA meetings, that the city council there, now they get a little bite. They're like, you know something? <laughs> if, you, if you guys don't vote this way or, or uh, distribute the money more e- equally or whatever, we're going to go back. Now, they, yeah. they, they, you know, it's probably a scare tactic. I don't know. I, this, is, this is my. I, 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 th- I think that's the, with the to the point of the whaling museum. I think that's correct because I mean, it, but I think you're you know the the concern there is I think fairly well placed. But the I think part of it is um, you know there had like 
the the new Bedford, the the city council approves all of those allocations individually, right? And then they, they approve the, they approve them when the applications well they, after the, they get accepted. It goes through the CPA. The CPA brings those brings the approved projects to the city council. Approved, but there's been a lot of projects not approved. Yeah, and you, you know what? I I, th- I think what I think you know going forward, I think what they could do um, in that situation is um, be a little bit more um, astute in who gets appointed to that board because Mayor Mitchell appoints them, but it's they, everybody on that CPA board's confirmed by the city council. So what they could do is in that process say, hey, listen, you know, are you going to give money here? Where like where where are you looking to vote? Where are you looking to allocate? This uh, these these monies this 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 funding yeah. I think that would probably be uh, uh, better than you know just gutting the whole thing and I think uh, well again I don't think anybody on that council and I'm not trying to defend anybody I mean I think council more I think council more had brought I don't it think forward anybody wants to defund that CPA I think council more had brought it forward because she does well maybe she does maybe she does and I'm not speaking for her because I I don't know what she's thinking but I, I just don't see anybody wanting to defund you know defund that. But I what I think. I mean, you got to remember she she's a seasoned veter, veteran. Mm-hmm. She she knows how to play politics, and she you know when she's doing this move, she's already thinking probably two moves down the line. Yeah, uh, you know what I'm saying. That's probably. my personal opinion. I agree. So, go ahead. No, I said I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. And um, you know that's the only thing I'm thinking. I, you know, it's, I think the you know the first two one the first two subjects they they just sent up the mayor for him to veto it and then. People can use that against them per se. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. hey, you you said you didn't want a four year term, but now you're beating vetoing it back. You know, because the whole two to four thing. So, you know, the whole thing with rent control, the same thing. You know, now that people can say that he's not he's not um in, in favor of rent control because now he doesn't care about rents for for, for renters or, right. or something. You know what I'm saying? And I just think it's all politically motivated. I mean, there is, and as far as the CPA, like I said, that's that's my thought. I don't think anybody really wants to to to, to, to you know, blow it up or whatever. I yeah. just think they they're probably using it as a, a political scare tactic per se. When they, so when the CPA board does meet, they'll be a little bit conscientious because I saw those meetings and there was there was a little contention there. You know what I'm saying? They 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 didn't want to, you know, as Council Abram stated a couple of days ago. I mean, the the Wheeling Museum piece got denied, but it came back. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I mean, because they were, I, I remember that uh, they they were really adamant about not giving the money because, you know, because was, at the same time it wasn't just CPA; it was always back to back with the ARPA money. Yeah. So they already had the list of all the ARPA money that was going to go forward. So you know, they, 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 you know, here at city council is like, here's this project again denied. But meanwhile, the Whaling Museum is going to get 150 grand for brick, and then they're going to go get money for ARPA money and this and that. And meanwhile, they're sitting on 30, 40 million dollars of endowment money. Right. So, I, you know what I'm saying? I, that's I my personal opinion. I understand. But, the, all hey, right. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I got to take no this problem. break. Thank you. I got to I gotta take this break. I'll be right back. Good night. Going back to the app chat, uh, Marcus Zuno from New Bedford says, uh, divest from schools and education, go big on streetlights and paving. <laughs> I'm assuming that's tongue in cheek. But um, the, both of those areas are pretty heavily reliant on, on uh, state funding, honestly. Um, so I'm going to... With the roads, it's, uh, you know, with infrastructure, it's chapter 90. With education, uh, it's chapter 70. And so some of that is, you know, there's a lot more investment being made at the state level. You got the Student Opportunity Act, which was passed a few years back. 
New Bedford's getting, I think, 25. It's four gateway cities. So New Bedford's getting, a, I think, $25 million per year for the next, like, six, seven years. Uh, maybe more. But I remember uh, having an interview with, like, Rep Cabral. I think it was last summer. We talked about it. He said $25 million per year. And then uh, with the with both of those two, I think – the hope is, and I, I know there's been some money dedicated towards that in, in, in Healy's budget, uh, was um, the the money from the uh, millionaire's tax, the revenue from the millionaire's tax, I think it's like a billion dollars that they're projecting, is going to um, is going to go towards some of that funding too, Chapter 90, Chapter 70 funding, so... 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. And we'll also take your messages on the app chat. I'm going to take another break. This is South Coast Tonight. Download the WBSM app and listen to us everywhere. Marcus McCarthy. South Coast Tonight is the place to react to all of the day's news and where they make some news of their own. Back to the talk now on WBSM. Hey, welcome back. Remember, we got Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll calling in after the 8 o'clock news, but we're taking your calls now at 508-996-0500. Good evening. Hey, how you doing, Marcus? Hey, John, what's up? Chris, is Chris there with you or no? Chris, no, Chris is going to be here for the Driscoll interview, oh, okay. but he won't. He's not are here we, with me are, right now. Are we able to call in and ask her questions or no? No, we, we don't have that much time, unfortunately. All right. Yeah. Maybe you can sneak this question in for me then. Okay. Ask, ask her when the Healy administration is going to um, add electric cars to their arsenal of vehicles. Okay. Why is that? If you can... Well, I mean, when Healy, um, I don't know if it was before she got elected or after, but I remember when they, they took their trip down here to UMass Dartmouth and they brought their, all their, their Yukons and, you know, their Denali's and, you know, and, and no, all, all gas powered vehicles, but they're so, yeah. you know, it's, they have such a, a, an agenda to get, you know, the climate change and everything and all the Green New Deal and everything, all the big supporters of that, but I want to know when. They plan on transforming their whole arsenal of vehicles to electric vehicles. Yeah, I was there. I was at that event. Um, so uh, the they, yeah, they have the SUVs. Um, I'm I'm, just, I'm assuming that's like part of their state security detail, and um, you know, like those aren't probably cars that they purchased as governor and lieutenant governor. So um, I mean, I, it's hardly can hardly hold it against them that a month into their or yeah. two months into their tenure that they have you know gas-powered cars I, I i don't know you you want you think I'm just, curious. I'm just curious i'm curious you know what i mean i wanted to, to find out maybe um if it if, it, if it's if it's pertinent um if it's pertinent i can ask no, I, think I, I just figured you know what i mean if you have time if not no big deal yeah if it, if it, it like i said if it's pertinent if it if i find it's pertinent i'll, I'll ask yeah sounds good i'll be listening all right man later all right 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app. Uh, we have Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll calling in. Uh, we're, we're, the, the primary focus of our conversation will be um, will be housing because uh, um, well, that's what I originally asked when I asked, asked the Healy press secretary uh, to, to have them on. So... 
Um, but uh, it, and that's because a huge issue. It's obviously super topical now with everything we've been talking about with the rent control, rent stabilization, whatever, with the rent restrictions and the um, just housing in general. We had Councilor Burgo on for you know an hour, two hours, hour and a half the other night. So it's obviously a very, very pertinent conversation. So that's going to be the crux of what we're talking about. And, um, and we'll see, uh, you know, but that's, that's primarily, of course, I'm going to ask her about today, you know, it's here today at the, um, at the uh, Marine Commerce Terminal in New Bedford. So, uh, a lot of traveling. I think they went to Woods Hole after. That's a lot of traveling. And then going back up to Salem. Just to, just, that's a, that's a lot. A lot of tread the tires. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Also take your message on the WBSM app. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take a break. Jim. Hey, welcome back to the program. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. In just a few minutes, uh, we're going to have the 8 o'clock news. After the 8 o'clock news, Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll will be calling in, joining Chris and I here on South Coast tonight. We're going to talk to her about her visit to New Bedford today, but mostly the conversation's going to be focused on housing. So uh, looking forward to, to speaking with her on that issue and how, what the Healy Driscoll administration is doing to, again, uh, address this seemingly intractable issue of housing supply and affordability. Um, I, I, you know, there's a few things that they've proposed. I'm looking forward to hearing more from, from her on that. Um, but 508-996-0500 if you want to join, if you want to get the last word in on the seven o'clock hour. Um, or if you want a message on the WBSM app chat. Whatever works, however you want to do it, that's fine with me. I think those are the only two ways. Yeah. Maybe we can do one of those uh, recorded lines like Howie Carr. I think we do. I just don't know how we, uh, you know, Tim knows more about that. I think we do that. The, what is it called? The chump line or something? I think we have something like that. That would be fun. We'd have to screen those. <laughs> we would definitely, <laughs> we would definitely have to screen those. <laughs> but um, maybe we can do that as well. So just another way you can uh, interact with the uh, with the with the with the programming here um, at uh, at WBSM at South Coast tonight. And uh, just wrapping up, we were just talking about, you know, the three ballot questions um, proposed by the city council. And um, that's pretty much it. Uh, That's it for this hour. I'll see you guys in the 8 o'clock hour. Again, we're going to be speaking with Lieutenant Governor uh, Kim Driscoll. She's going to be joining us talking about housing, um, what the Healy Driscoll administration is doing to address housing in areas like New Bedford, Fall River, and the South Coast, etc. Uh, she was mayor of Gateway City in Salem, and so uh, it's an issue. I'm, you know, she's she's uh, she's intimately familiar with, which is why I think she, you know, was was given that portfolio to really be a point person on um, 
on matters of housing. So she was a great interview. Always look forward to talking with her. And, uh, and I, you know, we've got some other uh, things in the pipeline too, um, for, for, uh, interviews to talk about important issues of housing, but it doesn't get much better than the, uh, you know, the corner office itself. So really looking forward to talking with, uh, Kim Driscoll. Uh, Chris will be in for that interview. Um, so, uh, you'll hear, she'll hear from us both. So stay tuned at the end of the, at the other end of this news, we'll be speaking with the Lieutenant Governor.